0: Aren't you grateful for Brandon and the group that was leading us in worship today? Can we celebrate them for just a minute? Uh, turn with me um, in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, if you could, for just a minute. Mark chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. and uh, um, Okay, Mark chapter 4 is where we're going to be today, but... I think I'm going to need your help for just a little bit because it appears that I can't find something of value to me. It's my wedding ring, and um, I don't want Londa to know. <laughs> um, so I, if, I know that today's just been a really busy, it's been a really hectic day, it's been kind of crazy, and I've just been running fast, and I've been running hard, and today I was in here really early, and I was, I was, I was walking all through here, and I was up on the stage, and so I just know that maybe... I'd love to be able to find that. Last week, August 5th, we celebrated our 21st wedding anniversary and I'm excited about that. That was awesome. Now we're old enough to drink together, which is great as a married couple. Not really. I'm just teasing about that. But I really, I've had that wedding ring for 21 years and it just matters so much to me. So could you guys just help me out for a minute? Because it's got to be in the room somewhere. And so maybe you could just look around your chair. Could you just look around your chair and see if I've dropped it somewhere? That would be helpful. If you could is it, you not see it? Because I don't have it. Maybe if we... I know, maybe if we were able to, because there's so many people in the room, in the room, it's just been a busy morning, it's been kind of crazy, maybe if we just kind of, could you turn the lights out on the stage maybe? Just turn the lights out on the stage, because I don't think I can preach until I find my wedding ring, because it just matters a lot to me, it's just okay, so the lights. So we're not going to look on the stage right now, all right? Let's, uh, so maybe we look in this section over here. You guys over here, could you just kind of check one more time? I don't, did you find it? Did, did anybody find it? maybe just, did you, you found it? You found my wedding ring? Where is it? <laughs> No, this is not my wedding ring. This is another ring that my... I'm sorry. This is a different ring. My kids and my wife got this to me for... Okay, so let's go ahead and eliminate this section. Could you just eliminate that section? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I didn't mean it the way it sounded. Let's just eliminate this section. Sounds better. Maybe if we had some... So that's good. Maybe... Could you guys just check under your seats again just one more time? Could you look around and just see? Because I know it's around here somewhere. This is really... I know I had it on this morning when I got here, so I know I did that. And so maybe it's not over here. Maybe... Okay, eliminate this section. Could you... and again, menacing sounding, eliminate. Yeah, so sometimes it just helps me to focus whenever I can take some of the busyness and some of the distraction out. And so I know that maybe back here or maybe somebody over. I, 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 I don't think it's in this section because I really wasn't over here. So did you guys find it anywhere? Did you see it anywhere? Okay, eliminate this front section, these kind of lights. Right? Okay, so we're narrowing the focus. I'm wondering if maybe over here is somebody over here. Steve, did you take my wedding ring? Is that what happened? You've got, you didn't take my wedding ring? Okay, maybe... Okay, maybe, maybe maybe the guys in the back can help. Just change the lights one more time. I wonder if you can help me with that. that... Oh, do you have my wedding ring? Oh, that is so good. Thank you so much. Oh, look at this. I do. Look at that. That's good. I love you so much. That's good. Thank you. This is my wife, Londa, by the way. This is not a random stranger that I just <laughs> hugged and got a wedding ring from. Just said I do too. That's good. Turn to Mark chapter 4. Turn to Mark chapter 4. You know, wouldn't it be great, wouldn't it be great if in the middle of all the busyness of your life and all the crazy things that are going on and the thousand thousand points of your schedule that you have to do. School's about to start up. Londa and I were talking last night about the school schedule and you got to get up early and you got to get the kids ready and you got to get them to the same place and now we've got four kids in three schools. Four kids going to three different places for school, and then we've got softball, and we've got baseball, and we've got uh, tennis lessons, and we've got uh, music lessons, and we've got the things they want to do with their friends, and there's just, and then there's my life here at the church, and then uh, my career is also here at the church, and so sometimes my church life and my work life, this they get really mixed up and convoluted sometimes. Life is just so busy all the time, and wouldn't it be great if God had given us a tool, maybe a practice? a possibility that would allow us to do with our lives exactly what I just did while I was searching for something that matters so much to me. Wouldn't it be great if God could shine this spotlight of priority or this spotlight of purpose or the spotlight of who he is and his intention and his desire for us? Wouldn't it be great if he could shine that into our lives so that we could see what matters most? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't you like that? What if I told you he has? He's given us some practices. He's given us a tool that can allow us, if we listen, to see and to hear and to follow what matters most. And so that's where I want us to turn to Mark chapter 4. If you're already there, could you go ahead and stand with me for just a minute? Mark chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. And we're going to bounce around just a little bit. We're going to be in Mark a little bit uh, for two times, then we're going to be in Genesis just a little bit. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 26. And Jesus said, so this is Jesus talking. He's preaching and he's talking to a group of people. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day. And the seed should sprout and grow And he himself does not know how, for the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks so much. You can be seated. Now, I know a minute ago, Chris said we were going to talk about the Sabbath today, and you've got to look at a passage like Mark chapter 4 and wonder, okay, that doesn't sound like a Sabbath passage. That sounds like a seeds passage. That sounds like a passage of Scripture for farmers or a passage of Scripture for for people who who work the land, And, and it doesn't seem to have anything to do with the Sabbath. But let me read it to you again, just real quickly, and listen. Listen with ears turned toward what you think you already know about the Sabbath, And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day. And the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how, for the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. You know, Londa's cousins are farmers. They live up near Miami and in the Welch area. And one of the things I love about the fact that they farm is every season we get this giant batch of sweet corn. That's I mean, it's fresh-grown, sweet corn, and it comes, I mean, we get trash bags full of it. And so we will have these meals where we'll take this corn and we'll shuck the corn. I mean, it's the whole fa- our whole family does it. We'll shuck the corn, we'll boil the corn, and it'll be nothing but corn on the cob for dinner <laughs> um, because it's just so good. They just grow really good corn. But one of the things that's amazing about my cousins is they, they go through these seasons, and in one season they're planting, and they are working hard to get the, the, the ground prepared. And they till the soil and they put the right chemicals in it and they they water, they plant and they plant and they plant. And in another season, they're working really, really hard. They're working fast and furious because they got to get the harvest in. They got to get it in as fast as they can. And it's amazing. Modern farming is incredible. They have tractors today that will that will take and it will, it, will, it will knock down all of the corn, it will pull the corn off the stock, it will shuck the corn, it will clean the corn, and, and as you're going, you'll be sitting in an air-conditioned tractor while GPS tells you exactly where to go, exactly how much um, of the fertilizer is in the soil that's necessary, how much the, the the water content is. It'll tell you everything you need to know, and you can watch Netflix while you're doing it. I mean, it's amazing how farming has changed, but they will work fast and they'll work hard, and the end of that process work at the front end, work at the back end, and the end of that process is this incredible, this in, this incredible harvest that is this sweet corn that we get to eat every year. And the, the corn, even though we get trash bags full of it at our house, it just doesn't last very long. But there's this time in the middle where they can't plant anymore, and they really can't water anymore because it's got the right kind of water in it, and they can't harvest yet because the corn hasn't grown yet. Yet. So what do you do in the middle? Well, they wait. They get some chores done around the house. They get chores done around the farm. It's when they do a different kind of work. But the work of planting and the work of harvesting, well, there's this time in the middle where it's really a time of rest. And I don't know what you've heard about the Sabbath before. But I know in Exodus, we've heard in Exodus, we've talked about the commandment that, that God has given us that we should remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy And that's an incredible statement that Scripture makes, that we should remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But I think sometimes we may have taken that verse of Scripture out of context, because when you look through the Old Testament, remembering the Sabbath day to keep it holy, worshiping together in a context like this, attending another meeting where you come together and worship together, is only one small piece of what it means to honor the sabbath day or to remember the sabbath day when you do a study of the old testament and the number of times the word sabbath is used almost always it's used in the context of rest it's used in the context of you work when you work and then you take a break and you let god work you work when you work and then you take a break and you let god work now this goes all the way back to the very beginning of God's creative work. God is a very creative God and God is a hard working God. He never sleeps. He never sleeps. He never takes a he never well or does he? He never takes a break. But or do, turn with me to Genesis chapter 2 for a second. To Genesis chapter 2. So we, we have this idea that when when it's time for us to work, we should work. But there's a there comes a time when it's time to rest. We've done all that we can do. And the Old Testament seems to indicate that the Sabbath day isn't simply about church attendance. That the Sabbath day isn't simply about honoring God. That is a significant piece of it. That's a significant moment in the life of our, uh, in in our daily lives and in our daily walk. But the the Old Testament seems to indicate that there is a moment for rest. Look at Genesis chapter 2. Look at what God did. Thus the heavens and the earth And all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it. Because in it, he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. This is the history of the heavens and the earth. So here's God, he's working and you know how that works. He created the heavens and the earth and he created the fish and the birds and people and, and he created all of these incredible things. He created this entire universe and at the end of his creation, he stopped and he rested. Do you think he needed a break? You can answer that out loud. Do you think God needed a break? Do you think he was tired? Hey, you know, I'm, I'm God and it's been, it's busy. You know, it's really hard, it's really hard. <laughs> Putting together planets and stuff. That's that's complicated. That's that's really hard. I gotta take it. Whew. Man, that man, he was easy to make, but woman, whoa. Man, what have we gotten ourselves into? Adam, I'm I'm sorry? No, no, I'm I'm not. That's good. No, I don't think I don't think that's what God was doing on the seventh day. I think God was modeling something for us. I think he was showing us something. I think he was trying to tell us that sometimes in the course of your life, the most godly thing you can do is rest. Sometimes the most godly thing you can do in the course of your life is to just rest. Rest does something amazing in our hearts and in our minds. It's amazing what physiologists will tell us and biologists will tell us about what happens to our mind when we take the time we need to sleep. It's amazing what they tell us, what athletic people will tell us, what the people who, the the sports medicine people, what they will tell us about how you should work out and how you should train and you should lift heavy and you should lift hard and you should lift a lot and you should run far and you should run fast and you should rest. And you should take a break. And I want to tell you that right now, we live in a culture that hates this idea. We don't honor this at all. Um, In in our school system, um, school doesn't start for another few days, but the band and the football team and the softball team and the baseball team and all of the extracurricular activities, they've been going for weeks. Now, that's not inherently bad. There's a schedule and there's a season for everything, but one of the reasons why they're going for weeks is because they want to (laughs) win. They want to get ahead, and if I can just get a few more practices under my belt, if I can just do this a little, if I could just get up a little bit earlier and stay up a little bit later and work just a little bit harder than everyone else, then maybe my team will win. Or maybe I'll get that deal and the other guy won't. Or maybe I'll get the raise or I'll get the promotion or I'll get the girl or I'll get the guy or I'll get the maybe if I just stay up later or get up earlier, stay up later and, and work a little bit harder. Maybe I just work and I work. And we fill our lives and we fill our schedules with so much stuff. We just run from one activity. To another. I don't, does that sound familiar to you? Because that's my life. That's my schedule. There's so much about today that to me doesn't feel like preaching. (laughs) It feels an awful lot like confession. Um, Yesterday, I was in Broken Arrow twice for a softball tournament. I was here for three or four hours working on some stuff for this morning. And then I was at a party with some friends last night. And then after the party, I came back here to clean up some stuff, and so I'm back and forth to all kinds. And that's just sort—I just normally that's just Tuesday, (laughs) you know. And on any given uh, first week of the month, I'll start the morning with a character council meeting, and then I'll come and I'll do uh, some work here at the church, and then I'll go to a chamber lunch, and then I'll I'll come back and get ready for the, the Wednesday night activities, and I'll teach on Wednesday nights. And on Wednesday nights, we might have a finance team meeting or a personnel team meeting and then somewhere in there I find my kids and sometimes they're in bed and sometimes they're not and so so Thursday I shows up and all of a sudden there's one rehearsal here and one rehearsal there and I don't know, does that sound like your life? Because that's my life. It's busy, it's full, and and in one hand I'm juggling, I I tell people I wear a lot of hats, you've heard me say that, or I spin a lot of plates and I'm running from one plate to another just desperately trying to keep this plate spinning and about the time it slows down and starts wobbling, I just pray that I've got enough momentum in this plate keeping it spinning that I can come over here and rev up the momentum on this other plate. And I'm just scared sometimes that a plate's gonna fall and that I'll fail here or that I'll fail in my marriage. Or that I'll fail my kids. Man, if the character of my kids is determined by the quality of my parenting, then maybe maybe someday they're going to have these stories they tell some psychiatrist about how I really messed them up just because I didn't get to go to that practice or I didn't get to see that game or I didn't get to give them that thing because I didn't make enough money to do that or whatever. I mean, do you worry about stuff like that? I get worried about stuff like that sometimes. It bothers me sometimes. How do I keep all these plates spinning and how do I... Isn't it nice to just rest for a minute? And isn't it nice that God looked at us and said, I'm not just telling you yada. I'm making it a command. It's one of the ten commandments that we would honor the Sabbath day, that we would set aside a time to rest. In our culture today, we elevate busyness to something that's really amazing. I may not be rich. I may not be powerful. I may not be prominent. I may not be popular. But I'm busy. And because I'm busy, I must be significant. Because I'm busy, I can say no to some things that I don't really want to mess with. I just want to take time to be nice to that guy. I don't have room in my budget to be generous. I don't have time to be kind to that homeless person or to do that good thing. And so I'm so busy doing so many things that are good, I sometimes leave the best or the better behind. I don't know, does that sound like your life? Because sometimes that's my life. And God's given us this tool he calls the Sabbath day, which is a moment. It's an opportunity for rest. Turn with me, if you would, for just a minute. I just said a minute ago that sometimes the most godly thing that you can do is rest. Turn with me back to Mark. And instead of going to Mark chapter 4, let's just go back uh, one page. Go back one page. And it's to Mark chapter 2. I keep saying one page as though we're all looking at the same Bible, and some of you are looking at this on your phone, and some of you are watching online, and as you watch online, you're not just watching me online, but you've got Netflix playing over here, and you're playing uh, Pokemon Go on another, another device over here. You've got I mean, doesn't that sound like your life, too? You've got so many beeps going on in your life that there's always an email, a text message, another thing going on, that it's just, just distraction. Look at this. This is amazing. Verse 23 in Mark chapter 2. Now it happened that as Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath day, That as they went, he and his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. So they're walking through a grain field, and they just pluck some some grain out of the field. And the Pharisees, who are always looking for an excuse to to, to accuse Jesus of some crime, they said to him, Look, why did you do that on the Sabbath? It's not lawful for you to work. Okay, I don't know about, I've never plucked grains off the head of wheat, but I don't, think they were, I don't think they were harvesting. I don't think they were sitting in the tractor at this moment. I think they just kind of grabbed a little bit of wheat and started chewing on it a little bit. I don't think they were doing anything that was really work, but the Pharisees were looking for a reason to get them. Look at this. But Jesus said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry? He and those with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, And he ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him. And this is the key verse for the point here, is that verse 27, And Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man made for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. So that whole idea in Genesis chapter 1, that God took a time to take a break, and then Jesus himself says, God didn't make the Sabbath for God's sake. God made the Sabbath for you. He made the Sabbath for your sake. You know what? There's some things you've said yes to that it's okay to say no to. There's some commitments that you've made that maybe you need to not keep. There's some meetings that you attend right now that maybe you should reorder or restructure your life. There's some things in your finances where you're just spending too much because you're trying to keep up and do everything. And, do, and, you're, and you've just got, you're, you're almost at the point of debilitating debt. And the reason why you're there is because you just got to have that one more thing and there's just no margin, there's just no room inside your budget or inside your schedule for rest. For rest in your finances or rest in your life. As we think about what God did when he, when he created things, for six days he created, and on the seventh day he rested. On day one, verse one, Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, this is a little bit of an aside. The Bible is not a scientific book, but when it makes scientific statements, it's always accurate. And so that's a scientific statement that it makes. In the beginning, that's time. God created the heavens, that's space, and the earth, that's matter, we see three very significant observations that we make about science. Time, space, and matter. God created all that on the very first day and on the seventh day he rested and I think he was doing it again. I think he was creating time, space, and matter all again, all over again on that seventh day. Here's how he did it. When you honor the Sabbath, you make time for rest and recovery. When you honor the Sabbath, you make time for for rest and recovery. Saturday is technically the Sabbath day. We think of Sunday as a Sabbath day because that's the day we come to worship, but that's really relatively new in the life of the church. And by relatively new, I mean like within the past couple of thousand years because Jesus died before the Sabbath day. He was in the grave on the Sabbath day, and he rose the morning after the Sabbath day. And so we worship on the day that, that Jesus rose from the dead. That's what Sunday's all about, on the first day of the week but even even in the salvation experience even in what christ provided for me and you on the cross at calvary even what even that process had a moment of rest jesus told his disciples clearly i'm gonna die it's gonna be horrific and then they went through it and we've asked this question before what did it look like for the disciples these men who had followed Jesus for three and a half years, what did it look like in that moment when their faith is violated and their savior, the one they think is their savior, is hanging dead on a cross. You know, in all of the Christmas musicals and the Easter musicals that we do, we always get when we tell the story of the cross, we get to the cross part of it, and we tell that story, and then and then it's you know a scene change, it's a light change, we turn off something, we turn something else on, and all of a sudden the tomb is empty. But there's hours, there's a day. That passes. There's more time that passes, and I can't imagine what it must have been like for the disciples in that moment when they're just waiting and their faith, their Jesus, their Messiah is just dead and their silence. But God needed that silence. He needed that silence in the moment of salvation to allow people to know. For certain, he really is dead, because that was the pattern back then. They believed if someone was dead for three days, they were were really dead. It's why Jesus waited to go see Lazarus when Lazarus was sick. You remember that story? They sent for Jesus, come, Lazarus is sick, and Jesus goes, no, I'm good. Wouldn't it be incredible if your schedule was so set by who God is? If God was the master of your time in such a way that you could with clarity say, in this moment, I know for certain I'm doing exactly what God intends for me to do. You see, that's how Jesus lived his life. And when someone called for his help, I desperately need your help, Jesus. Lazarus, your best friend, it looks like he's going to die. And Jesus went, no, he's fine. He's going to be just fine. And he stayed where he was to finish what he started. And then Lazarus died. And then Jesus shows up three days later and does something no one expects. Hey, Lazarus, come forth and Lazarus came out. See Jesus knew what was going on all the time. When we when we honor the Sabbath day, we make time for rest and for recovery. We also create space for the unseen and the unexpected. We create space for the unseen and the unexpected. Some of you are business leaders. Some of you are involved at your work as managers. Maybe you own the company or maybe you manage the company and you lead people. Some of you at school, you're responsible for making plans that lead a group of people. Maybe you're a coach or maybe you're an athlete or, or, or whatever, but you're making plans for people. Let me just tell you that if in, in any plan that you make, there are going to be people who will get sick. There will be moments when people will, will, will need a break. They're, they're just going to need vacation, and there's going to be times when they're going to make a mistake. And If your plan doesn't include this idea, if it doesn't include margin, if it doesn't cl- include sp- for someone to make a mistake, for someone to be sick, or someone to go on vacation and take a break, your plan is foolish. God says honor the Sabbath because you make time. You make time when you honor the Sabbath for rest and recovery, and you create space for the unseen and the unexpected. Some of you in your relationships haven't created the space that's needed to forgive, Someone has wronged you, maybe it's a husband, maybe it's a father, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a sister or a brother, maybe it's a child, an, an adult child, and you haven't created the space necessary for someone to make a mistake. To say, when you repent, I'll forgive. Or even before you repent, I'll forgive. There's margin in my relationship. Some of you haven't created margin inside your finances. And because of it, you've just run, well, you've actually run well beyond the boundary. And you're, you're deep, deep in debt because you just don't have room in your money anymore. You haven't created the space for the unseen and the unexpected. And you're just one crisis away. You're one flat tire. You're one hit on your insurance away from total financial loss. Some of you haven't made, made space or made margin in your schedule and you're just running from one space, one thing, one thing to another and you just you don't feel like you have time to breathe and you're missing so many great things in the life of your kids. And you're missing so many great things in the life possibly of your church or in the life of your friends and your family. When you honor the Sabbath, you make time for rest and recovery and you create space for the unseen and the unexpected. Remember in the beginning, that's time God created the heavens. That's space and the earth. He created matter, all of the things. The matter is what makes up all of who we are and what we have. Whenever you honor the Sabbath day, you make time, you create space, and you gain perspective for the matters that matter most. You gain perspective on the matters that matter most. Something happens when I start to remove distractions. I'm able to focus clearly. It's funny to watch my kids when they're just resting, uh, and by rest I mean just relaxing, just doing something to recover. They'll be laying on a couch, and they'll have an a, one device they'll be watching a, a movie on, another device they'll be playing one game on, and another device they'll have a third game on, and that's what they call rest. <laughs> um, I'm just relaxing, Dad. I'm just chilling. Well, you've got multiple things going on. And I've got to tell you that they inherited that from me because when I was a kid, I didn't have all the devices they had, but I would, be, I would read a book, I would listen to music, and I would watch TV, and I'd do it all at the same time. And sometimes I'd try to do my homework at the same time um, because I just, I, I just did that, and we just fill up our lives. What would happen if we turned our phone off, if we stopped the beeps, if we stopped all the noises that vied for our, 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 our attention, if we, if we took that moment to, to turn off the music, to turn off the television? Not that any of those things by themselves are inherently wicked or evil or bad, but we just need this moment when we just pause and we just take a break. And in that moment, God's able to do what, he did, what, what we did in here with my wedding ring, to just shine a light. On the matters that matter most. And all of a sudden I can gain perspective. Not just on the differences between what's right and what's wrong, but on the things that on the differences between what's good, what's better, and what's best. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there ought to come this moment in your life where you stop struggling over the the, the choices that are evil and the choices that are good. Hey, when I get home today, should I beat my wife? You know, that that should be an easy question to answer if you're a believer. It should be an easy question to answer if you're not. We shouldn't struggle over stuff like that. But sometimes the struggles in our life are over good, better, and best. How do I find the perspective? How do I gain the perspective on the matters that matter most? I remove those distractions so that I can see what God sees, so that I can hear the way God hears, and and so that I can make the choices in a wise way, the way that God would choose. And so here's just some three, three practical steps. Three practical steps that you can take. And I know that I'm skipping a blank right now. We're skipping to the very, very bottom. Uh, and I'm going to come back to that blank. Um, but we're skipping to the very bottom. Here's three practical ways you can honor the Sabbath. And why uh, you've heard why it's so valuable, why it's so important. It, it gives us the space and the time that we need to focus on the matters that matter most. So here's three simple steps. First, just stop. Just stop. I get so busy sometimes that I make to-do lists. Anybody, anybody a list person out here? My assistant, Brenda Henderson, is a, to, is a to-do list person. I can give her a list of 50 things to do, and she will get them done faster than anybody I've ever met. She's amazing at it, how fast. And so all you to-do list people out there, just raise your hand, be loud and proud about it. That's all right, that's good. Yeah, lots of to-do list people out there. I, I, it's amazing, it just feels so good when you mark something off your to-do list. It just feels so good when that happens, that's amazing. Some days, you need to stop and make a stop-doing list. So instead of a to-do list, okay, I'm going to stop. That's stupid. I'm not doing that anymore. And then when you stop it, just mark it off your list. Hey, this conversation, I'm just going to stop having that kind of conversation. Maybe it's the kind of conversation that wears you down, weighs you down, brings you down, and just doesn't. I'm just going to stop. And with that one, so when you're doing your to-do list, take a, you know, a thin pen and mark through your to-dos because you can look it back on it and you can celebrate it. When you're doing your stop-doing list, use like that giant fat Sharpie marker so you can really, uh, you know, you can really get rid of that thing because I'm not going to do that anymore. Maybe we need to do that. Just stop. Just stop. And isn't that what the Sabbath is about? We've been working hard for six days. And on the seventh, God goes, just stop. But Chad, I can't Stop. You have no idea you have no idea. You're just a pastor guy. You don't know what a busy schedule is like. You don't know what real responsibility is like. You don't you don't you don't know my schedule. You can't well, you know what? I can tell you this. If you take time to stop, then you can take time to plan. So that's the first thing. Stop. The second is plan. Make plan to rest include it in your activity okay we plan events here all the time we go from one giant event to another we go from camp that's junior high camp to camp that's senior high camp to vbs to kids camp to next week we've got advance going and in a few weeks uh, and the next week we've got family matters and and our church is just constantly on this cycle of activity 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 we we encourage our staff okay after camp guys include in your plan make it part of your plan a moment to stop to rest and to celebrate to do that personally, to do that individually, and then to do that with the people inside your ministry, to stop, to plan, and make a part of that plan, a time to rest and a time to celebrate, because that's when you gain perspective. It's a moment to evaluate. It's a moment to listen and hear once again the voice of God in a way like you've never heard it before. So stop and plan. And then here's the last one. Worship. Worship. This moment is relevant Not because I have something to say. And this moment is relevant not because Chris gets up and preaches incredible messages from the Word of God every Sunday. And this moment is relevant not because these guys are exceptionally talented and able to draw us emotionally into the worship of God. This moment is relevant because it's a time that you've set in your schedule. You've planned it so that you will stop your day and say, God, Lord, I need you. I need you. Uh, This is my confession. Here's my heart, God. Take and seal it. Here's my heart, Lord. Search it. Try it. Show me. Help me to make the time. Help me to create the space. Help me, Father, to gain perspective on those matters that matter most. You see, here's the thing about Honoring the Sabbath. And here's the thing about worshiping God in the Sabbath. Ultimately, the question of whether or not you will rest. Ultimately, the question of whether or not you will overwork to be rich. Actually, Scripture says we ought to work hard. That if a man doesn't work, he ought not eat. But on the other end of that, it says don't overwork to be rich. Take time to rest. Let Do what you can do. Just like the farmer in Mark chapter 4, plant your seeds, water your seeds. When it's time to harvest, harvest. Do what you can do. And then stop and trust that God will do what God will do. And that's the nature of worship in the Sabbath. Not just on Sunday morning in this room, but when you take time, when you make the plan, when you stop to worship God in your daily life, what you're actually recognizing is that I trust God. That's really what it's all about. That's the the question. Ultimately, if you choose, when you choose not to honor the Sabbath, what you're really saying, you're 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 asking and answering the question, do I trust God? That was that blank that we skipped. That's the ultimate question of the Sabbath. Do I trust him? Can I make enough profit in six days that I can rest on the seventh? Can I order my life in such a way? That I can spend the time I need with my family and with my work and in my schooling and in my extracurricular activities? Can I plan? Can I stop? So that, that on Sunday, I can, I can look directly in the, in the eyes and the heart of God and say to Him, God, I trust you. I trust you to do in six days, or I, I trust you to do in six days, seven days worth of work. I trust you to do that in me and through me Chick-fil-A's done that we've seen that in the business world they work for 6 days they're off on the se- on the 7th and i think they're a little successful Um, There's actually a financial version of that. God says, hey, I can make your 90% last longer than your 100% if you'll take a Sabbath with your finances and take a percentage of it. Maybe it's 10%. Maybe maybe you're not ready to start at 10%. Maybe you start less than that, but you take that and you use that deliberately to be generous to the people around you or generous to the people who serve in your church or the, the services that are provided to your church. I'm not telling you what to give or where to give specifically, but I know that God says financially, if you create a Sabbath in your finances that we often call the tithe, if you'll do that, that you're 90% or whatever percentage you pick, I've known people who have given as much as 27% on a regular basis. I've known them personally. I've heard stories about people who have given as much as ninety and ninety-five percent away, not just to the church, but to just be generous, because that's they're just philanthropic. They're just generous people, and they've created this margin inside inside their finances that's so remarkable that money no longer has a hold over them. And their schedule no longer has a hold over them. God is the master of their heart, the master of their time, and the master of their money. And so when we worship God, not just through music and message, not just in a moment like this in a service, but when we worship God, we worship him simply by saying, God, you said do it this way, so I'm going to do it. You said I need to rest. You said I need to honor you through this, so God, I trust you. I trust that you can do in six days what would normally take me seven. I trust that you can do in 90% what would normally take me 100%. I trust that with my kids, with my spouse, with my boss, all of those things, I trust you. So today, I've deliberately slowed down a little bit, I've deliberately made some time for us to just breathe. And I hope in that time that you'll ask that question, God, what do I need to do to honor the Sabbath day today? How can I just rest in you? And, and the time, we do that every Sunday, and here it's, it's called an invitation. And Brandon's going to come back out here in just a minute, and he's going to play. And maybe you don't sing during the invitation. Maybe you just rest. And you let Brandon and the gang, let them sing over you and just listen for the heart of God. See if he can show you the time that you need to take and the space and the, and, the, and, the, and the things in your life so that you can gain some perspective on what matters most. And for those of you who are not yet believers, those of you who don't really know about whether or not Scripture is relevant, you don't really know if Jesus is the one who is really a Savior to you, let, let me just say this to you. You probably need to rest more than everyone else. Because you're trying to fit eternity into your small lifespan. And you're trying to work your way into heaven. You're trying to work your way into eternity. And Jesus today is looking to you, just as he's looked to me and to, and to everyone in this room, and he said, when it comes to your salvation, rest. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. Rest. Why? Well, because. It's too high, it's too far, it's too much. You can't earn it. So just rest in the forgiveness that comes through Jesus. So as Brandon starts to play, I'm gonna ask us to bow our head and close our eyes. And when I say amen, we'll stand up and there'll be some men at the front. And if you need to know Jesus... I'd encourage you to come just talk to one of these guys and say I'd like to know more about what it means to rest in Jesus. You could do that. But I'm not going to ask us to do anything more today than to just stand and and let Brandon sing over us. And as you do, just evaluate. Say, God, I want to honor you in the Sabbath. Show me what to stop. Teach me how to plan because I want to worship you through the way I trust in you. Father, we love you. And I pray that today, I pray that today that you would forgive us for not trusting you. I pray that you would forgive us for dishonoring you in the way we have ignored this command that you didn't make for you, you made for us. And so help us. Help us to rest in who you are. Help us to worship you for who you are. And for those today who don't know you, I pray that you would introduce yourselves to them. We love you, Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. And as we stand, let's just rest in him.